Welcome to Econa Day Unplugged. Today is Tuesday, August 7th. I am Ann Picker, Econa Day's Chief Economist, and with me today is Jeremy Hawkins on the other side of the pond in London, in London, and Mark Pender, who is usually with us, is on vacation. This is a relatively light week for new economic data, unlike last week. Tariffs continue to fluctuate with threats and counter-threats. And Jeremy, you have a light week, but there's some pretty lousy data over there. Yeah, that's right. Most of the, so I suppose, the big week, um, st- well, still to come, come on, on Friday, that'll be the UK statistics. But as you mentioned, we've had some really more disappointing news with regards to the Eurozone. And we sort of made noises in the past, I think, about perhaps um, the ECB and the likes getting a little bit too um, optimistic about the way the Eurozone economy is performing. And Germany, which is obviously still by far and away the most important member state, well, we had their orders data for June yesterday. Uh, that was down a socking rate 4% on a month-on-month basis. Now, fair enough, the, the monthly figures are very volatile, but that was the worst performance we've seen since, what, January of last year. It's an annual growth from 47 down to minus 0.9%. And that's its first negative print on a yearly basis since the middle of 2016. And I say it may be volatile on a monthly basis, but it means that overall orders now have fallen in five of the last six months. And we're now back down on levels basis to, to where we stood in May last year. So it really does suggest that German manufacturing, which has been one of the key, if you like, locomotives behind uh, the Eurozone recovery over the last couple of years or so, is beginning to run out of steam. It may be doing so from high levels, but you know, clearly if we do start to see Germany continuing to slow, it's going to raise doubts as to whether or not we're going to see the ECB meeting its inflation target you know, over the longer run. And just kind of rubbing salt into the mood, earlier on today, Tuesday, we had um, the June industrial production figures from Germany. They were down 0.9% on the month. Um, that, again, was larger than expected, steeper decline, I should say, than expected. And also the fifth fall out of the last seven months. So it really does look as if, you know, Germany's going through something of a soft patch at the moment. We'll just have to wait to see whether or not we actually see any kind of recovery over the second half of the year. But it's got to be said at the moment, early days yet, but the third quarter is looking as if it could come in on the soft side. Um, elsewhere, UK, I should mention the, the Bank of England last Thursday, they delivered the at least narrowly expected increase in interest rates. So 25 basis points on bank rate, the bank's benchmark interest rate left it at 0.75%. Now, to put that in context, that's only half a percentage point above its all-time record lower, just 25 basis points we've become used to for such a long time. So it's hardly a particularly big move. But why did they do it? Well, they did it really because I think it's you know, down to the unemployment rate. Um, if you like, I suppose you can see unemployment as sort of a you know, proxy for potential output. And the Bank of England assumes that a four and a half percent unemployment rate basically equates with the UK economy running at its natural rate. Now, their new forecast suggests that the unemployment rate is going to go, it's already below 4.5 percent at 4.2. But they're talking about it falling down to 3.9 percent next year and holding at that level 
available throughout the balance of the forecast period. So in other words, all the spare capacity will have been used up by next year and indeed will have a reversed output gap, which simply means the economy is growing faster than it's capable of doing so in the longer run. And that's going to mean upside pressure on inflation. And if we see a big increase or even a small increase in demand, output won't be able to respond. So the bank's trying to preempt any kind of increase in prices on that base and hence the increase in interest rates we saw coming through last week. Um, now, the fact they did raise interest rates last week, going on to your point, a lot of numbers on Friday, it makes Friday's numbers that much less important because the bank's already reacted to it. But I should mention we'll get the first look on a quarterly basis at second quarter UK GDP. That's expected to show growth of 0.4% quarter on quarter, or if we annualise it, to put it into US terms, that would be 1.6%. Clearly, that's a lot less than what you're seeing on your side of the pond. But bear in mind that the bank's revised down its own estimates of what the equilibrium uh, growth rate is for the UK and they now put it somewhere around about 1.5%. So even 1.6% as far as they're concerned is strong enough to justify at least current if not even higher interest rates. So you know, it doesn't take much in terms of economic numbers in the UK at the moment for the bank to start getting excited and you know, raise a prospect again about rates going up. Uh, just before I finish on, finish on the UK, I should just mention one point which is important in terms of where interest rates go from here. Uh, the forward guidance that the bank put out last um, Thursday was very much in line with what we saw before, i.e. that the next expected increase in interest rates or interest rates will be at a gradual pace and only to a very limited extent. So that probably means that bank rate will not be hiked again this year and quite possibly not after and not until after we get Brexit, assuming that happens in March next year. So probably UK rates on hold for the time being. Jeremy, do you think the terrible weather well we always complain about slow interrupting growth what about mm -hmm. heat <laughs> yeah good question i mean i think was you know, typically speak we're not and we've had not say perhaps quite as hot as weather as you have but by uk and indeed european standards the last couple of months so have been exceptionally hot um now there has been some indications within the retail sales figures both uk in particular but also on continental europe that there has been sort of an increase in spending particularly on food and sort of outdoor garden furniture and this sort of thing but by and large it also seems that you know, it swings and roundabouts here because what's gone on to that side of expenditure has been taken out of would-be spending elsewhere so i think if we were to see and we obviously we don't have the full data yet but if we were to see an increase in um in sort of summer related sales then it's going to be the expense of other uh, consumer durables and probably the net impact on GDP is going to be relatively small. Thanks Jeremy. In the US we had employment data on Friday and the gain in employment 157,000 was less than anticipated after two months of around 250,000 increase in employment. There are a number of reasons for it. Uh, I would like, however, to mention a couple that are not really talked about very much, namely the mismatch of skills with positions available and the geographic mi mismatch, namely where people are versus where the jobs are located, because people seem to have become less mobile. I mean, we could take a whole conversation merely on the mobility subject and the lack of willingness of people to move to find a job rather than staying put in their home. 
one of the two central banks' meetings this week announced its policy decision today. The Reserve Bank of Australia kept its policy interest rate at 1.5% where it has been for two years, since August 2016. The Reserve Bank of Australia held its steady held its rate steady, declining to follow moves in recent months to tighten liquidity by some other central banks, and we know who they are. The statement accompanying the decision from Philip Lowe, the RBA's governor, mentioned the uncertainty over U.S. trade policy as a big if, as well as household consumption domestically, in addition to noting the toll taken on Australia's farm sector by the recent drought. But Mr. Lowe remained generally positive, and the bank forecasts Australia's gross domestic product to average a bit above 3% in 2018 and 2019. Mining exports and non-mining business investment are expected to support the headline growth, despite concerns about outlook for household consumption and the impact of the drought. Second quarter GDP will not be available until September 4th. They're one of the laggards in releasing GDP. GDP was up a quarterly 1% in the first quarter, or 3.1% when compared with the same quarter a year ago. And sorry, can I just quickly switch back to the States? Because I thought it was a really interesting point you were saying about you know, the apparent downturn in labor market mobility in the States. And I say that because you know, one of the big issues as far as the Eurozone has been concerned and you know, one of the key factors put forward as to why U.S. growth has been so much better than the Eurozone for such a long time now is the fact that you've had labor market mobility and effectively the Eurozone hasn't. So you say that you know, dwindling labor market mobility if I can say it, labor market mobility in the States. Do you think, is this a short-term phenomenon or is this the start of a longer-term trend? That's a good question. We really don't know. I, I think it's probably a long, my opinion is that it's a longer-term problem. And if employment continues to increase like that, it should become more difficult for, for people to find people that are, capable of filling their vacant positions. Uh, so, the, others, the, the other option, of course, is to switch production elsewhere, namely overseas. Right. It, it's a subject that's always fascinated me, namely uh, labor force mobility. Because no, at one point, it, it, it was a major asset to U.S. markets. And now I'm yeah. not so sure. No, you're right. And it's just, well, quickly without harking about too long, but just looking at you know, the, the Eurozone equivalents. I mean, you'd have, an, uh, I know it's always got to be careful when you're comparing unemployment rates between countries, but just looking at the OECD rates where they try to harmonize the unemployment figures. And you've got an unemployment rate, your side, let's say 4%. The Eurozone is currently running at the latest figures in June were 8.3%. So, I mean, your rate is already less than, you know, more than half what we have in the Eurozone. But within the Eurozone itself, within that 8.3%, if you look at the German rate, it's only 34 If you take a country like Italy, it's at 10.9%. Spain's 152 Greece is up at over 20%. And again, it's very much this reflection of the fact that, you know, they don't have the labor market mobility that you need in order to bring towards 
towards a, you know, a natural convergence, which ought to be good for the Eurozone economy as a whole. Yeah, I, I am very cautious in, in terms of comparing unemployment rates across countries because we know that different uh, methods of calculation are used, especially between the U.S. and Europe, which uses the ILO measure. The U.S. does not, and right there. Yeah, sure. Although certainly across the Eurozone, of course, in theory, they're kind of harmonized. So although I'm, I'm quite sure there are differences between the individual reporting countries, I don't can't be learning like large enough to explain why you can have, well, let's say something like a, a 12 percentage point gap between a Germany and a Spain. Well, it depends which unemployment rate you use for Germany as well. Well, this is this is using the, the, the you know, Eurostats harmonized measure. Okay. So strictly speaking, um, I, I can't believe, to be honest, they managed to square it completely. But we should be talking apples and well, at least green apples and red apples rather than apples and pears anyway. <laughs> or Macintosh or Red Delicious. <laughs> uh, I think we'll end at that note. <laughs>